Welcome to this week in Missouri Politics. Somber week this week in Missouri. We lost one of our greatest legends, Rush Limbaugh. And we are here to talk about his memory and a few other things with the former Lieutenant Governor of Missouri, Governor Peter Kinder. Welcome back to the show. Thanks. Good to be back. I'm a Southeast Missouri guy. You're a Cape Girardian. Uh, you knew Rush Limbaugh his entire life. Uh, it had to be a tough week for you. It's been tough. Uh, you know, done a, more than a few radio interviews, uh, KMOX and many others, and uh, uh, we, we're saying goodbye to a great American uh, patriot, an extraordinarily generous uh, philanthropist with yeah. much of his giving, most of his giving anonymous and very quiet. Um, He's the Johnny Carson of uh, AM Talk Radio. AM, yeah. AM Radio was dying. Yes. It was dead and dying in the 80s. Uh, everyone said you can't revive it. Everyone said you can never do a show in the middle of the day and attract listeners. You, you can't do a national show. Every program director in America knew that you had to be local for talk radio, the, the, the ones that were trying it. They all said you can't attract an audience. They said you can't attract the number of stations you need. You can't have a show without guests. And one by one, Rush broke <laughs> yeah. through, burst through all those camps, reinvented, revivified, reignited the medium, the conservative movement, uh, and transformed America in many ways. Uh, you know, Bill Buckley, one of my boyhood heroes, uh, had, his, had his magazine. It was a highbrow. Yep magazine with probably a circulation of 120,000 people and Buckley used $14 words from it way out of town that you, nobody understood, right? But Rush yep. on the radio was able to take the message to the roofing crew that had the radio on, the long haul truck driver, the farmer on his combine. The young kid in Butler County listening on 930 KWOC, I, I love the fact he had a sense of humor. There was two things that set him apart from me. While Buckley is a hero for a lot of folks, I'm probably a conservative today because of Rush Limbaugh, because he had humor, and he would stick up to Republicans. He wasn't just a suck-up. You look right. at a lot of the people that try to be Rush Limbaugh, right. they're just suck-ups, so whatever the Republicans right. of the day do. He had some of that South. He was a backbone in him, and he was funny. He was Tell you a really quick story on how independent a cuss he was as a little boy. I mean, <laughs> 8, 9, 10, 11 years old. In Cape Girardeau, we're in the heart of Cardinal Nation, right? Yes, like you were in Poplar Bluff. And we're all living and dying with the Cardinals. In the early 60s, you know, we still had Stand the Man until 63. And the next year, they win the pennant on the last day of the season. They beat the Yankees and, 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 and had other great years in the 60s. Rush was not a Cardinal fan. That's my point in telling this story. He was a passionate baseball fan, and his team was the L.A. Dodgers. And his favorite player was Maury Wills, and he lived and died, bled Dodger blue, and his dad would bring us up to games at Old Sportsman's Park on North Grand, and, uh, and, and we'd, uh, we'd be hunting a Cardinal autograph and hoping to meet one of them, and he was looking out for Dodger blue. Well, I wish you hadn't told me that story. That's very disappointing to me because <laughs> I do love the Cardinals far more than any political thing, but uh, the first book I ever bought, with, that ever bought, was The White Rat by Whitey Herzog, and the second book was See, I Told You So. It was Rush Limbaugh's first book. It was funny. It was actually it was entertaining to read. It took conservatism that can be a little stodgy sometimes and made it relatable. And I think his lasting impact will be, like you said, that the populism today that maybe Republicans try to tap into, a lot of that is him explaining a conservative message and how it benefits a regular guy. He was, uh, and when I listened to him on the radio, I heard his dad 
who was such a dominant influence on both of us, mm -hmm. Rush Limbaugh Jr. But he was, uh, you might say, uh, he was the original deplorable, right? <laughs> uh, yep. The Hillary crowd, the Clinton crowd in the 90s did everything they could to knock him out. Tried to get advertisers to quit him, tried to discredit him, told lies about him, and this went on for 32 years uh, of his radio show, and only intensified in the last 12, 15 years. Retired, he, he passed away at the top of his game, uh, an institution in American media, with a long history of service. You know, in Cape Girardeau, Limbaugh, the world knows the Limbaugh name for Rush, but here in Missouri, we know his brother, now his, his nephew, Chris, is going to be a judge in Cole County. It is a real legacy of service, that entire family. Uncle, uncle and first cousins, yeah. both federal judges, yeah. It is an amazing thing. While we got you here, though, I want to ask you a couple more things. So uh, I guess this week we're going to talk about charter schools, something I know you're very passionate about. Tell us why, with well, the case that you've made many times, the, what is the best case you could make for charter schools? Well, you know what? I remember the, the debate on the floor of the Missouri Senate, I believe it was 1998, I know it was late in that decade, when we finally passed a charter school bill. And all the mandarins of the education establishment were up there opposing mm -hmm. the passage of the bill. And I'm talking about the teachers unions, the MNEA and the MSTA, which is not a union but is an organization, the Association of Principals, the superintendents and all the rest. They're all opposed to the bill and they're sitting in the upper gallery and I got that day's post-dispatch which said that if, uh, had a front page article about the promise of charter schools that said that if the bill passed in the right form, the Missouri Botanical Garden would do, would be involved in starting an environmental and, and uh, plant science horticulture charter school. And the, uh, there was the, Missouri Science Center here in St. Louis that said we will be involved in mentoring and helping to sponsor a charter school in science and technology. And I waved that at those folks in the upper gallery trying to shame them because here is promise. I said what could be more promising to a poor minority single parent? This is a beacon in the night to them. Those poor parents and children trapped in failing schools, not just this year, but for generations. My adult life, they've been trapped there. And, uh, and all the education establishment ever said was, we've got our own ideas about what minimal reforms will allow, just send us more money every year. And I had a belly full of that decades ago, okay? <laughs> I've seen you have a belly so, full of things before. So I think that, that uh, parents need more choices. I do not believe that a one-size-fits-all uh, public education system designed 150 years ago for an agrarian society is going to cut it in the 21st century. So I say let a thousand flowers bloom. Now, one thing, and I've even read this in your newsletter, you talk about public schools in one sentence and then you say, and then there are charter schools. But it, it bears repeating that every charter school is a public school. This is a subspecies of charter schools. and. The only, one of the differences is uh, that they get less money than the main system. Well, the accountability is a little different. I would argue that this is the first truly accountable public school. If they fail, and some of them have failed, there have been some crooks operating some of them, we pull the charter and yank them and they go out of business. But the people who oppose charter schools and oppose expanding them 
cannot explain why there's a waiting list. The, the, the question of demand by parents and students has been answered, and it's answered in favor of charter schools. I don't know that anybody criticized the charter movement in the city of St. Louis where the school has failed by the state's own standards. But make the case where this always fails is the charter folks aren't happy with just St. Louis. They want to go to St. Clair County. Give the case for why somebody in Jackson, Missouri, where you're very familiar with, where they love their school, yeah. if you represent them, the school doesn't want it, why should a rural person vote for that when where the problem you're talking about exists, they already have charter schools? Well, I'll leave that to people who are more uh, involved in the current debate. Okay. I'm, I'm, my animating interest in this current, uh, uh, arises out of the tragedy I saw in, in the St. Louis and Kansas City public school systems when I was in office, which ended four years ago. And, and when a school board member here in St. Louis, in the city of St. Louis said, Governor, he said to me, we are, this is probably 12, 14 years ago, he said, we are preparing students for one of three failed paths. Either a lifetime of poverty, uh, pack them off to the prison, or an early trip to the penitentiary. Now I get emotional. Yeah when I think about that. And yet, how many generations has this been true? It's amazing how many debates in Missouri, uh, in many ways you're the John the Baptist of the Missouri Republican Party. Uh, the gun debates, the abortion debates, they're all predicated on, they stand on the shoulders of things you fought for in the past. Now, it's interesting. It's been tough for you to imagine when you took control of the Missouri Senate. You were the first Republican to hold that post in decades and decades. 20 years ago last month. And, and just took it in a special election with John Cawthorn and all the, if you're, to imagine they have supermajorities now. But it's interesting that those, those, that supermajority is very different than the majority you had and the camaraderie is very different. What's your observation on the thing you created? Yeah, thank you uh, for bringing that up. I, I, uh, by the way, I asked Kit Bond when I had my 18 to 16 landslide majority, <laughs> I said, what will this be like, like herding cats? He said, no, more like loading frogs into a wheelbarrow. <laughs> and that's what it was. Uh, I, uh, uh, I, I am not surprised that Republican majorities have swollen to the point of being super majorities and that the Democratic Party, at least in the Senate, is reduced to a rump, an urban rump with no minority with no rural or small town representation. Uh, I guess uh, huge majorities like that open the door to fighting intra-party, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what we've seen a lot of. I would never suggest that I served in the Senate between, 2000, uh, between 1993 and 2005 in a, some kind of golden age, okay? There was no golden age, but, but I am dismayed by some of the tendencies and trends I see now in which members of the majority party routinely uh, use a minority tactic, filibustering, and do it for many, many hours and even days on end to stop something that Senate leadership and the majority of the body wants. I, I think that's a sad occurrence. I also would observe this about the current Senate. When, when I had that 18 to 16 razor thin majority, I had two or three rhinos in my caucus. There will be no names named. But I was one uh, Jim Jeffords away from sure. losing any vote if it came down to a party line vote. Uh, today, there are no non-conservatives in the Missouri Senate caucus, and I don't believe there are any in the uh, House caucus. For instance, to take one uh, uh, 
indicator. There's no pro-choice sure. lawmaker left in either chamber. Mm -hmm. Well, there were several mm -hmm. when I was there. Okay. So now we have a group designating themselves the Conservative Caucus. I'm just kind of puzzled by that. They're all conservatives to me. Mm -hmm. And I think politics and doing business in a legislative body is a business of addition, not subtraction. And I'd like to see a little bit less of the going at each other and hammer and tongs and, and slapping labels on ourselves and working together uh, toward moving the ball down the field on important conservative goals, including expanding charter schools and, and uh, other measures. Well, Governor, thank you so much for sharing your uh, experience with Rush and your thoughts on modern politics. Thank you, my friend. We'll be right back with our Opinion Maker panel, the Silver Tongue Twitter devil, Greg Keller, joined us after this. All across Missouri, our new car and truck dealers are building strong local economies. When you buy a car or truck in Missouri, you're helping to support over 20,000 Missouri families who rely on the auto industry for good-paying local jobs. You're also helping fund our communities, schools, first responders, and our roads because dealers generate millions of dollars in tax revenue. Missouri's automobile dealers have been the foundation of our communities for generations and for generations to come. The Missouri Automobile Dealers Association, the heart of Missouri. For more than a century, the St. Louis Carpenters Union has shaped our communities. Through trusted alliances, we deliver skilled professional craftspeople while our business partners provide the kind of quality jobs that keep our economy humming. It's a blueprint that has worked since 1882. Turning Missouri into a right-to-work state stalls progress, wipes out jobs, and kills momentum. Right-to-work is wrong for everyone. Let's keep Missouri moving forward. Visit carpdc.org to learn more. Your energy needs are changing. That's why at Ameren, Missouri, we're not waiting on the future. We're building it with the Smart Energy Plan, advancing thousands of projects across the state helping reduce emissions through cleaner energy sources, boost reliability with self-healing equipment, and better withstand storms with new composite poles. Moving Missouri forward and bringing us all a little closer together. That's energy at work. Welcome back to this week in Missouri Politics Opinion Maker panel time. We have Greg Keller, the absolute best account on all of Twitter. I don't really search that many Twitter accounts, but when I have a minute, I'm in the elevator, I always search yours and I find the best, funniest ones are the ones that nobody has the courage to like. They just screenshot to people. I just get those via d direct message, people thanking me. I, can't, I totally believe you. Uh, Representative Tom Hennigan, St. Charles, welcome back, sir. Good to be here. Old downtown St. Charles, where they have Oktoberfest and the Brick Street right? We do it right. We do it right. Home of the first state capital. That's right. That's Claim right. to fame. First capital. Representative Bridget Walsh Moore, now Thanks South City and South County? South City, uh, from Cro the south side of Carondelet and the Patch into Limay, parts of Afton and Melville. So from Hammerstones, I just go south. And Straight I find south. You. Yep. Got You're it. Not got a it. Problem. Got it. Representative Tom Oldenburg, Alderman in the city of St. Louis now. You're South City? That's correct. Southwest part of the so city. So if I'm at the brewery, how do I get to your district? 44 West and turn left. Gotcha. <laughs> All right. This is going to hit home for you. The, the, you know, the rest of the state. Some folks had some mask orders. Some folks like Butler County, our presiding commissioner said, we're not doing it. Put the throat, put the boot right on the throat of government. So do you live your life how you want? The city, different, different lifestyle. People live closer together, different, different realities. What is the best way that you, that you could see? The state legislature is going to visit this. Right. What's the best way the state legislature could come up with? Because they're going to pass something. I think that's pretty clear. Right. 
What's the best end result of this? Yeah, I, well, I think the, the start is you need to listen to your local health directors and, and your health commissioners, right, and, and, and the experts uh, that, that live and breathe in these communities. Uh, so I feel like the, the first stop has to be there's likely going to be some pushback from, from those local officials um, depending on which way this goes, and I think that ought to be paid attention to. The question I would have for you would be, you got to see the city and the county's response. Which one would you prefer? I mean, the second shutdown was only done by the county, not the city. The second shutdown was in effect to the rising case numbers we were seeing. Yeah. It was a direct result of the number of cases coming in, a lot of them from rural areas where the restrictions were less strenuous. And the hospitals became overwhelmed. A lot of people were being turned away. The resources were being overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. So we had to shut down a second time. And I've, I've been grateful that we have an MD who has been making those decisions. When this first broke out, I thought, how lucky are we to have an MD making these decisions? We have someone in the medical field who respects doctors, who respects science, mm -hmm. making these decisions. You know, Tom Hannigan, you hear if you just come to Jeff City, you would think everybody disagrees with Sam Page. But there's a lot of folks. I mean, he got reelected by a large margin. Folks in St. Louis County kind of like the government giving orders like this. Well, I want to disclaimer first, Scott. I actually am the, uh, the local government um, chairperson mm -hmm. on the House side. So and get that disclaimer out first. So I like um, local control and I just want to say that up front. There's a wise hillbilly, you might know him, Scott, you, that has a, a motto saying that we like local control until we don't like local control. Republicans hate local control. That's been very well established. So, um, you know, I'm one of those people that do like local control. I think we just need to be really careful about who's getting that local control. Yeah. You know, we need to make sure that there's accountability and transparency. I think a lot of the argument is who has that local control and if, let's keep it to the elected officials because they have to get reelected and so they, they have a response to the people and their constituents. Looks like the godfather of Missouri Republican Steve Elman pretty well threaded the needle. I mean he did a few things but for the most part I think his constituents probably liked his response. It was pretty live your life. I'm going to educate you. I'm going to educate you, educate, educate you. But you're grown-ups. Make your own choices. Right and you know a lot of people didn't know what this pandemic was going to do sure. or how it looked. It was new to everybody. So let's have a little grace period to learn and stuff and go from there. Um, you know, people didn't make mistakes, but then I think we get back to, okay, what worked, what didn't work. Let's look at the statistics and let's be adults about it. So there's room to grow and change. But, you know, again, I go back to local control probably is the best format and best way to go. Greg Keller, it looked to me like there was a, there was some vocal St. Louis County Republicans, yourself amongst them, probably people retweeting you, that's, uh, that didn't like any of the shutdowns, kind of wanted to have like the, the Vince Lampy model. You're a grown-up, make, make good choices. But I think people in the general in the county were pretty accepting of things until the second shutdown. I saw that really the spike come in the, in the pushback in the St. Louis County from the, when the city didn't go along. I thought that was a, that was a moment where things kind of turned a little. Well, I think following the directions of local health authorities are, is all fine and well, so long as those local health authorities actually know what the heck they're talking about. And what we've seen with Sam Page and Lisa Clancy is that they have no idea what they are doing. When you rate the, uh, when you rank St. Louis, every county in the state of Missouri, by COVID deaths per capita, you know where St. Louis County comes in under Sam Page? Eighth from the bottom. So hundreds, literally hundreds of St. Louis Countyans have died as a result of Sam Page and Lisa Clancy's uh, COVID policies, and yet they're running all over the state trying to tell other people in rural counties how they should be dealing with COVID. Give me a break. Yeah, I doubt that dog hunts. 
I got my. I, I, I'm sorry. I bet you it hunts with the hundreds of people who's uh, who come from families of someone who's dead, it, it, which wouldn't be the case had they lived in another county. Let me ask you this: This is my sizable hillbilly gut intuition. I think that you're going to see when this is all over, when you count the data, you're going to see urban areas that did a bunch of restriction and precaution, which probably helps some, be pretty much in line with rural areas because you know you're so much closer together. <clears throat> that's going to offset what you what you did with no. masks and stuff and rural folks being more spaced out, not having restrictions, I'll bet you there's not a lot of difference in the day, you think? I, I think at the end of the day, I think clearly the data at this point is that more people have died in St. Louis County than virtually anywhere else in the entire state of Missouri. Look at the counties that neighbor St. Louis County. St. Louis yeah. City, fewer yeah. deaths. Jefferson County, fewer deaths. Well, fewer people, though, Lincoln right? County, fewer deaths. But, but popula population density is no longer considered one of the top reasons for, for COVID spread and COVID death. Jackson yeah. County, better than St. Louis County. Uh, I think what St. Louis Countyans want to see is they want to see people actually responding to data. What we learned months ago is that restaurants are not huge vectors of COVID transmission and spread. And yet, yeah. and yet, Sam Page and Lisa Clancy are out there absolutely crushing the entire downtown Clayton business area, just as a random example. Representative, let's, let's move on to something that COVID definitely touches schools. Looks like this coming week, you're going to have a lot of discussion on schools. A lot of discussion. you got some St. Louis Republicans that want to tell, they want to come to St. Clair County and tell the Osceola fighting Indians how they are to have schools. Now, it's going to be interesting to see, if you're a rural Missourian, why would you vote for something that every one of your constituents that knows what it is is against it? Right, it's a tough one, and especially like in my area, for example, um, I have people on both sides of the fence. I, I obviously, you know, there's uh, schools, Archer Farm, for example, out in uh, my district where, you know, people go there multi-generationals. So you have, mm -hmm. you went there as a student, your kids go there as a student, you might even teach there now. So they very much, they like their school board, they like their locals. Um, so they're probably happy and probably do not want, you know, a charter school to come in their area. I'm really hoping that those that want charter schools can justify the reason why they need them for the improvement. And then the people that don't want charter schools can justify why they don't need that set up and just go about their lives. So I think there's a balancing act here. You know, it's interesting. Uh, St. Louis City has a ton of private schools. They're all Catholic, right? Yep. I think people kind of like it. Yeah. Agreed. And, and this is one where, you know, I, I think charter schools have, have been very helpful to the city of St. Louis. Um, you know, we have 19,000 students in the St. Louis public school system. In the 60s and 70s, there are 110,000. We're losing population. Enrollment continues to dread down. So, you know, charter schools have saved a lot of families and have kept them in the neighborhoods in our town. So, you know, I, I support that choice. Seems like a good St. Louis solution. Uh, Mike Parson came out with COVID, said very clearly, hey, what works in St. Louis don't necessarily work in St. Clair County. Seems like charter schools work great in St. Louis, do they? Uh, I would wholeheartedly disagree with that. Uh, we have a few charter schools that have worked, but by and large, most charter schools have failed and they have consistently cost the city and the state money. A lot of these charter schools are owned by out-of-state corporations, a lot of them for profit. So we are taking Missouri tax dollars and funneling them through tuition out to other states that don't have our oversight. They don't have, they're not responsible to local authorities. There's no school board and they have no oversight. Like you said, we like local control until we don't. I've we never don't met a Republican have. that does. <laughs> I did when they were in the minority in Jeff right. City. They all love local control. They all love local control. That stopped it. Uh, when they got 82 House members, local control was over. Yes, yes. Uh, and these charter schools are not in any way responsible to the taxpayers. And I think everyone is concerned about the privatization of education. It sounds like a St. Louis leaves. problem that maybe you all should keep in St. Louis. Now, Greg I, Keller, I agree. tell me how a St. Louis old boy 
gets in his truck and drives down to Fredericktown. I guess you drive cars up here. And has a great idea for Fredericktown that's going to help him. I ain't never seen it. Well, I mean, I think really the question is upon the people who want to ban charter schools across the entire state. What we're talking about is allowing char charter schools are currently allowed in Kansas City and St. Louis. And those charter schools vastly outperform public schools. We talk about failing charter schools. Well, yeah, when a charter school fails, it fails. When a public school fails, as is happening in hundreds of instances across our state, you know what happens to those, to those public schools? They get more money in perpetuity. So what we're talking about here, the, the, where the political rub is, is that the Democrat Party is completely beholden to the, to the education unions that fund their campaigns. And unless and until the Democrat Party has the gumption to stand up to their campaign financiers, we're going to continue to see Missouri schools, public schools fail. Yeah, Wayne Wilcutt is uh, one of the best school boards I've ever seen. He's in Neelyville School Board. I think he cut a check to Hardy Billington. I mean, he's, a, I guess, a school board establishment. I don't think, I mean, Wayne had two Trump flags well to the back of his truck. I, 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 I don't think it's really arguable, Scott, that, that the education establishment supports Democrats hugely over Republicans. And the charter schools, they invest in Republicans, right? Charter schools invest in kids to give them better educational well, outcomes, which is currently yeah. being failed by the Missouri public school system. And hey, Scott, if you don't like charter schools, then fine. L give people the opportunity to invest in them. And if they don't work, then they'll fail and the problem will be over. What's the big deal? Why not give them a chance? Why ban them across the entire state except for two areas? Give me the prediction. Do they come out of St. Louis or do, do the rural Republicans walk the plank or do they stay in St. Louis? I think if they're interested in education outcomes for the children of Missouri, they're, they're going to be against banning charter schools across the entire yeah, state. Any prediction? Does Rick Francis walk the plank or does he vote for his folks back home? You know, I think, again, I want to go back to if you your area wants a charter school, I think there's going to be an uproar and the, that's the conversation. If you don't, then hopefully they can look the other way and go to the areas that people want the charter schools. Do the rural Republicans, do they, do they get the bat pat of the St. Louis Republicans or do they, they stick up for back home? I think charter schools have filled a need in certain areas, and where they are not wanted, they should not be. This is, Saint, is this St. Louis idea coming to the rest of the state, or the rural Republicans are going to say no? I mean, this has been a two-decade-long conversation. My guess is they stay in Kansas City and St. Louis. Talk real quick about the vaccine. Uh, vaccine rollout, it looks like overall it's going about like you think, kind of clumsy, yeah. but, uh, but it is actually happening. Uh, what's been uh, the experience in your neck of the woods? You know, I think at every level of government, there's a below passing grade with it. Yeah. Our, our country's been able to create this vaccine in record time, and now we're tripping over ourselves at every level in trying to get shots in people's arms. Uh, just, you know, uh, a few weeks ago, there was a big event down at Union Station in the city of St. Mm -hmm. Louis. Um, I'm hearing from constituents that actually got shots that have said, we're not getting follow-up. When is our second shot? Like, that's, that's unheard of. That what doesn't do you think, Tom? Happen. I mean... It's been frustrating, you know, obviously, the, it's, but there's hope, and it's, you're going to start seeing it more and more coming to our pharmacies, our, our Walgreens, our CVSs, and I think that will help. With the minute left, who won the week? John Weeman passed his municipal checkbook uh, bill yep. through the uh, Missouri House by a vote of 142 to it's 2. It's almost like he's a businessman that knows how to run things. That's right. Uh, you don't see a lot of things passing on a bipartisan basis. John Weeman got it done. Who won the week? I'm going to say the Children and Families Committee, all of us on that uh, committee group, there's been some great reform, great stuff, and you're going to see more dealing with um, adoption, foster care, and child abuse, and all good things that need to be done here for the state of Missouri. Who won the The military men and women of the state of Missouri. We bipartisanship, we passed a bill that will allow them to take the skills that they learn in the armed forces and apply them to civilian jobs, and we've also extended that to their spouses and Absolutely. keep them in the state. Who won the week? 
Uh, Representative Lane Roberts, he and I probably don't have a lot in common, but he continues to push his peace offer tuition reimbursement uh, program, which, hey, in St. Louis, we are down 150 officers, and Absolutely. recruitment is a problem, and it's a problem across the whole state. I'm going to say one of your colleagues, Representative Chris Sander, I thought it was a very fitting uh, resolution to offer in honor of Rush Limbaugh, a famous Missourian that I know half the people like, half the people probably don't, but I tell you what, he revolutionized communication. I'm not sure there'd even be a radio to today. We hope you will join us next week here on This Week in Missouri Politics. This Week in Missouri Politics, sponsored by the Missouri Association of Career Fire Protection Districts, Spire, and Sterling Bank.